Welcome to this episode of Owning Her Health with your host, Dr. Lisa Holland, PT. Join Lisa as she starts the conversation on what it really takes to become a healthy, wealthy, and whole CEO of your life. Listen in to real talk by real lady leaders in all walks of life as they open up on personal health stories, wealth, career, and feminine abundant living. Learn how to grow by owning your body, expanding your mind, and aligning your soul with the purpose only you can pursue in this world. Happiness begins with owning her health right now. Welcome, welcome back, everyone, to another episode and season of Owning Her Health. I am Dr. Lisa Holland, integrative women's health educator, counselor, coach. I really, really, at this point, really just want to call myself an evolutionary, revolutionary woman on a mission to make sure that we are looking at women as the complex but highly, highly powerful form of human being in evolution that we are. I also want to make sure that we're starting the conversation and opening up the conversation a little bit more that women's health and well-being is not just getting her body parts to feel better, not just getting them to look better, but to actually have her utilize her pain, flip it into a passion project, and who knows, maybe if they're the people I tend to be, you know, attractive to, we'll flip that pain and turn it into a pro. Profit. So this episode, I will warn you, I'm going to introduce you to a wonderful goddess, Brooke Terrell, but it is a touchy subject. We are talking about the subject of sexual abuse. So if you are listening in this episode on the car, on the go with the kids, you may want to decide if you're going to have them listen to this, or maybe it's for you to muzzle right now and, you know, fast forward to another episode and, and listen in on your own. Your choice, your call, but I wanted to make sure I brought that up. Brooke is a woman here who is starting a counseling service, a coaching service, the other side life coaching. And I love her tagline, a life beyond sexual abuse. She has a master's in counseling psychology. She's working into coaching. She actually calls herself a clinical traumatologist. So, you know, I talk about with the Mind Body Brand Academy, all that yumminess and getting your personal brand, regardless of your credentials, working for you, right? She's somebody who's coming in strong with that. So without further ado, I'm going to flip it on over to her and me and owning her health right now. Great. So welcome, welcome, welcome to owning her health this episode. I have a local lady from Charlotte, North Carolina area. We were connected, as I said in the intro, through a mutual acquaintance here. And as I mentioned about Brooke, her story as a young maiden, sort of flipping her pain from that and moving through some things really, really, really brought us to being able to be here today. Brooke Terrell is basically, she's a local business that's just starting up, The Other Side Life Coaching, and I just, you know, love her tagline, The Life Beyond Sexual Abuse. So this is as I said in the intro, right, just reminding everyone this is one of those conversations that maybe if you have little ears or something around, it may or may not be appropriate for them, but it is an important topic. And the way she flipped her pain, turned it into a passion project here, I think is commendable. Brooke has a master's in counseling psychology. And, and what I love is that she flipped it, right? She, she went and she got herself more into the coaching end, which of course I love. Those of you who follow me on social media or in any of my 
programs or work with me one-on-one knows that I did that shift, coaching people out of their pain and suffering versus treating them. And once you do that, you get a bit more expansive in your career. And what she did is she became a clinical traumatologist. So I'm going to let Brooke tell us how her mission right now to help individual couples and families, okay, heal from sexual abuse and the trauma created with that while creating the awareness about the importance of prevention. So how, Brooke, did you come from your story getting into, you know, as we all do, let me go study it, right? I know it. Let me go study it. Deciding to go to coaching and then developing this clinical traumatologist. What is a clinical traumatologist? And thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to speak to your audience and to speak to you about something that I'm incredibly passionate about. A traumatologist is basically somebody that has a very strong background and understanding of how trauma affects our brains, our bodies, our behavior, our emotions. And so how I kind of got into this kind of interesting myriad of credentials is I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse for, for many, many years. I found that it's a very common, it's one of the most common types of sexual abuse, and it's one of the most underreported. It affected every single area of my life. It affected my relationship with my parents. It affected my relationship with my sisters, with my friends. And life was just a really, really very difficult thing for me for a lot of years. And what I came to realize later as I went through my studies and as there's been more research on trauma and sexual abuse, that I realized that basically what I was struggling with, all of my symptoms and all of my triggers was basically trauma. And it took a long time and saw many psychologists, I saw many psychiatrists, I saw many counselors, and nobody could ever really help me with my symptoms. And then in the DSM-5 in 2013, they recategorized sexual abuse as being more of a trauma-based disorder, and they tied PTSD and complex PTSD in that category, took it into being a, a trauma and stress-related disorder. So now as a life coach, I just take a, we take a different approach toward trauma recovery. We don't look at it so much as, as going back and, and reliving the pain over and over again. It's a much more future-focused and solution-focused type of recovery. So I use three-stage models with my clients. That's awesome. So what I heard from you is that there was a gap. In, in sort of the, the traditional way of dealing with this. And looking back now, when did this trauma for you really happen? How young were you? And sort of when was your first time dealing with it? Were you in your 20s, in your teens, you know, in your 30s? Like, what was your, your sort of path through that maidenhood or that young energy where most people, right, as, as kids were sort of, you know, exploring the world or trying to figure out about this world. And I would assume that, you know, obviously with, with trauma, there's such a stunt from what I'm hearing is it's hard to kind of go back and just talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. So tell me a little bit about your journey into kind of self-realization to even knowing that, let me even talk about it or, or getting help or how you got help and, or at least how did you get to the point where you said this isn't helping me how many years was that so if, if you go back to like when the abuse began it was an older cousin and it began when i was about eight or nine and he would have been somewhere around 13 or 14. 
there's so much that goes into the whole sexual abuse, kind of grooming, incestuous mm. kind of relationship. It's very, very complicated and complex. Yeah. It affects us on an emotional level. What most people don't understand about that kind of sexual abuse trauma is that it manifests itself in all kinds of symptoms that we typically don't relate back to the abuse. So I had my self-esteem had been really damaged and what I call a crazy making kind of abuse because on one hand, they're very good at, at giving the child the seduction or the attention that they desire. And then on the other hand, what they're doing with that is they're violating their trust. So I had no idea how it had really affected me until I got well into my, my late 30s. I just wow. working for me. And I'm going to school and I'm studying human behavior. I'm getting my own counseling. And I'm not making any progress because nobody was really, really explaining to me how trauma had been formed from a very young age and now how it was affecting so many areas of my life. My behavior, my, my thinking was very distorted. It wasn't really until I started studying trauma work and I really began to understand and put together that the behavior symptoms that I was struggling with on a daily basis, the constant triggers, the, the interpersonal relationship struggles, the self-loathing, all of the components that go into that, I realized was a post-traumatic stress type. Mm. Those are symptoms of post-traumatic stress and complex stress. And once I made that connection, then it's this realization that okay, I'm not this broken, defective person that is unlovable and has no value and no worth. I'm a traumatized person. What I'm living every day is trauma. And once I recognized that, my marriage changed, my relationship with myself changed, I became passionate and so much healing took place and I've just taken on this passion to help other people really understand because not a lot of counselors do really understand the way that trauma affects our marriages. We have a very high divorce rate in the United States. And we also have one that one in four little girls will be sexually abused before the age of 18. One in six little boys. Well, those people are going out and getting married. Mm -hmm. And they're not only getting married, they're having children. Mm -hmm. And that trauma can be passed down from generation to generation, which is known as either secondary trauma or transgenerational trauma. So my mission and my absolute passion in life is to approach sexual abuse recovery by looking at the entire family system and then helping the entire family system to be able to heal from it and move on. That's amazing. That's amazing. Brooke. One thing I did hear you say a couple times now, which, you know, me being in the body world and realizing also very soon into that, it's, it's not separate things. It's not this like uh, harm onto your emotions or you're, you're made to feel, you know, your self-worth is bad, but you literally have brain changes. You have physical changes, physiologies adjusted. You're living in fear and confusion. All of that, you know, thankfully, you know, when I started Belly Guru back in 2005, it was kind of like, why would a body worker be doing like life coaching? And why would a counselor, I mean, I think the counselors are, are definitely coming over too, but it took them a while to kind of get out of the head and get out of the past and move into like moving through it, literally moving your body, how places in your body can get locked up. And mm -hmm you know, obviously that affects the activities you're involved in, that affects the relationships you're involved in. So tell me a little bit now, so, you know, 
obviously there was some destruction in that kind of maiden fire, right? Because you got that fire inside, but it's not being directed maybe in productive ways. You finally realize that in your 30s, you were mothering yourself, finding out all of these things, going on to reach the trauma, saying there, there's this need and this gap here. Tell me a little bit about now in, in being the mother mothering vibe now in your practice for these people to take them through. And, and actually, you're kind of like in that in-between of like the mothering and the matriarch with all that wisdom now from your life story and, and kind of sharing it, sharing it here, sharing it in groups, I'm sure, as well as actually nurturing and taking them through. Tell me a little bit about some of the things you talked about, your, your process and how you're bringing families in on that little summary sort of how it works with you. The model that I use is a three-stage recovery model. It's different for every person, so it's really more just walking through a process. The very first stage when you're recovering from trauma that's very important is to help the person to find a place of safety and control in their everyday environment that they're living in. Most people that have been traumatized, their sense of control, trauma in its very nature, especially sexual abuse trauma, is a crossing of boundaries, right? And so people don't have the proper understanding of how to draw healthy boundaries. They typically are very overwhelmed by anxiety and stress and fear. So we work through, and sometimes that can be seven, eight, nine weeks, where we're just building the ability for that person to feel safe in, in their everyday life. They are learning how to, to self-soothe, how to cope, how to calm themselves down, how to comfort themselves. Only after that sense of safety is in place can we move to the next phase. Then we're going to walk through a little bit of remembering and mourning, talking about those, those triggers, how we can then learn how to cope with those triggers in everyday life. And then the very last stage is a reconnection stage. And that's where we really move into vulnerability. Without vulnerability, we can't have intimacy. And so that reconnection phase is then helping the person to rebuild uh, their relationships in a new way, maybe get rid of relationships that aren't healthy, get the installation of those healthy boundaries. And once you've kind of worked through all of those, you really began to see, and what I'm very passionate about is really helping for people to have practical things that they can do today to help manage their symptoms. And then my own counseling journey was, was never present. And so I would oftentimes leave a counseling session worse than I got there because I didn't have anything, I didn't know what to do with it. Okay, yeah, I know I'm, I'm in pain, but now what? Right. I think that's an important thing to bring up because, you know, the coaching model and the treatment model are so flipped, you mm -hmm. know, and I actually think in healthcare and healing, we really have to give the healer title back to the people that we're trying to serve as professionals because ultimately we all heal ourselves the education and the years of service and the you know techniques and all of these things is a guidance in some way and what i hear from you is that you're allowing for a space for that and then introducing you know those relationships and whatnot because i agree you leave sometimes a, a therapy even a physical therapy session or whatever and you're you're kind of in a space where you had this experience and maybe you know definitely on the on the mental health side you might have walked into Pandora's box and then it's like, all right, well, our 45 minutes are over and I'll see you next week to deal with that. But what coaching allows is, you know, when people would leave my office, you know, they'd feel great, you know, their muscles and their body awareness and whatever. Or sometimes they'd feel kind of crummy. I was yanking on their knee and it was sore and they were going to go home. But what I wasn't doing is I wasn't saying, now, how do you go live your life with that achiness? 
with that awareness, with that heart opening. Can you share kind of an example of something you might send someone home with if they do sort of rile up something or anything anybody can take who might be in this situation, realizing as you're hearing your words, you know what, I think I'm traumatized too. I think I have some, you know, key dysfunctions here. I, I don't seem to be able to deal with relationships. I don't seem to have boundaries, you know, or they just had an awakening of, you know, so many people are, we both spoke about, you know, involved with yoga and finding the path of yoga. And as a yoga therapist, some people are coming here because the, the nature of therapies for various things, whether it's coming out in their body, their relationships or whatever, weren't doing that part of like, how do I actually live my life? And they end up in a yoga teacher training or something like that. They don't even want to teach yoga classes because there aren't enough of us sort of spiritually coaching them out of the suffering, which is what I'm hearing you say. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't mean saying prayers and chants. I mean, in the true essence of spirit, essence of us, our self, our ownership of self, owning your health is owning yourself. What's maybe one thing that you often give to people to sort of close or give them a tool that's something common sometimes, like let's say for anxiety that might come up or realizing they need to say no or, or yes sometimes about certain other things, you know? Right. Typically people who come in for and are really struggling with, with trauma from, from abuse, they are kind of living in a state where they're parasympathetic nervous system versus their sympathetic nervous system are, are activated. And so they remain in this kind of fight or flight kind of state all the time. So one of the first things that we work on is really understanding the, that autonomic nervous system. We go through and I, I do some, some lessons and some kind of education on the amygdala versus the prefrontal cortex, the parts of the brain that are activated in fight or flight and how that fight or flight system doesn't need to be, you know, remains activated, but it doesn't need to be, remain activated. It's because of trauma. So I typically do a, quite a bit of work on how do we have the ability to, to switch out of that fight or flight and back into the rest and digest. We can do that through a lot of different ways. We can do it from relaxation techniques. We do deep breathing. We work with essential oils. We do some, some yoga poses just to kind of reset the body. We do mind exercises. And, and we kind of find what works for each person because everybody is different. So we work with those together and then they're able to take those home with them. Mm -hmm. Typically when people come in and they're talking about symptoms, they're not making any relation to trauma. They'll come in and say, I'm upset about how you know, I don't have enough money and I need more money and it's, and it's fear about this and fear about that. And so I help them to make the connection and to see how that goes back to very old thinking that probably began in the beginning of the trauma process. And then we kind of start to marry the two so that they're now remembering and recognizing things that they're triggered by, but they're also able to implement a relaxation technique at the same time. And that's basically how you move out of that traumatized state, is by revisiting those, those trauma memories, but doing it in a way where you're also at the same time working on remaining calm, being relaxed. Right. And so if you stop going back and being triggered by the past, now you're just remembering the past. It's, it's still going to be a part of you, but it's not just constant being triggered back into another time in your life. It's being able to remember, but remain in the present. 
Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people gravitate to yoga because mm -hmm. as a therapeutic tool, and I don't mean the hot booty sweat class or whatever, they may go there because a lot of times, right, we dissociate. I know working with any pelvic pain, any, you know, cancer-related loss of a limb or trauma, you know, in the physical sense, you still would see that same thing where it's like your image of your wholeness, right, is, is a little different. And I think What's so nice about yoga is that the perspective from a therapeutic advantage is not to stay all in the body, to actually work through breathing practices, work through the nervous system. It's, it's actually a very cerebral gut kind of thing and all that's in the news now and everything. So everything you're saying to me, you know, it all, I say this all the time as we evolve into the field of epigenetics and trauma research, trauma sensitive and, and all of these things, even down to our cellular stuff. Every time they come up with something, I'm like, like a microbiome discovery. I'm like, it's all in the yoga. It's all in the union of kind of reclaiming who you are and where you are in the moment and then allowing yourself to be the witness. And my teacher Dharma would say, like, you know, be, be receptive, but be the witness always. So, you know, you don't have to become that young girl getting abused again just because you see and recognize her and can listen from being this wiser, older woman in your body right now, but reconnecting with being in that body, because a lot of times we'll dissociate. We will dissociate, we will disown. For so many years, we might've disowned the trauma and mm -hmm. now we're coming back into it. And sometimes it is getting into a pose or a posture or whatever, just to get comfortable thinking of that thing and realizing, no, I'm, I'm in this body right now. I'm not in that body. I'm in this time right now. I'm not in that time. Exactly. So I totally see where there's such a need for this. So how are you now kind of getting that message out and what receptivity are you getting? Because I, I find a lot of people, they know they're hurt, but like you said, you know, you mentioned money or, or relationship or whatever, but they think they're broken. And if they think they're broken, it's in always like a very tangible, whatever's right in their face kind of way. What's the receptivity you see when, you know, it's kind of hard to market this type of thing because you're selling one thing, right? Traumatologists and they're kind of being like, oh, I'm not a trauma person. I'm a back pain or I'm, I'm a divorcee. I'm a, you know, they're labeling themselves. What have you found is the best way to, obviously listening to this type of stuff, people come across it, but just in every day where a woman listening to this, maybe another professional who's, who's working with people can identify it. And, and even, you know, the, the average woman sort of, because we're sitting there talking with girlfriends and we really are the best ones to kind of pick up on this in the children that are visiting our homes, in relationships we have. I know for myself, you know, I really feel like I've picked up on my ex's trauma and this and that. And when that person's sort of not ready for hearing mm -hmm. the trauma, what advice do you have for that person? I mean, obviously we can't lead a horse to water and force them to drink, but what are some ways when we care about someone to, I don't know, start the process? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is listening. So, you know, people, they ask me what I do and, and I tell them, but in a little brief elevator, you know, summary what I do. And, and I just am absolutely blown away by how many people open up and say, yeah, you know, that happened to me or that happened to my mom or that happened to my grandmother or that happened to my sister or that happened to my brother or that happened to my spouse. I barely even have to, to ask people just 
want to talk about it a lot of times. They, they don't have anybody they feel like they can talk with. And so when I'm sitting one-on-one -on -one with somebody, they'll ask me questions and they'll want to share about things that they've gone through. There's, there's a, lot of, a lot of need out there. And one of the real passions of my heart, and it sounds like this might resonate maybe a little bit with your audience, is what I call the traumatized mommy. Moms that have been traumatized can traumatize their own children, even without there being any kind of sexual abuse. It can be in a, a couple of different ways. You know, they can be an, an angry mommy or a dissociative, um, a dissociated mommy, a withdrawn mommy, a sad, depressed mommy, an anxious mommy. And that ends up affecting their children and then their children's children. There's been some work that's been done on that kind of trauma that can be passed down from generation to generation. Giving other moms, because I was, I was a traumatized mommy and I traumatized my children. I didn't mean to. It was very unintentional. But I, I really want to work with moms and help them to kind of be a compassionate witness to themselves, to recognize why they have these behaviors. Because once you recognize them, then you can begin to challenge and change them. They can change and, and completely restore the relationship they have with their spouses, with their children. And I think that's a lot of my message is I want people to really understand that the success rate of recovering from post-traumatic stress disorder after sexual abuse is extremely high when you are, you've got the right education and the tools and you're really working with someone who understands trauma. Yeah, that's so important. Thank you, Brooke, for that, you know, your work and, and seeing that connection. And my thoughts are that, so you, we're working now with the generation. What I see a lot, I guess, being, you know, when you, when, when you go into the medical fields, you have a lot of people who are lost in the academia side, you know, with the research and the numbers and statistics, and honestly, quite the indoctrination of what's important, what's not important, you know, what you say is valid and what you don't. And finally, thankfully, we're coming back to a little bit of more client-centered care, but I see some of that trauma kind of coming out sometimes with these work-life balance for a lot of professional women, you know, women who came up in the 80s and 90s and, you know, came out of their college. You know, we were very, very emasculated, you know, kind of, but then all of a sudden we wanted to have kids and do this and we're juggling this. And sometimes those traumas came out in this obsession with our careers or these, these titles and things like that, because we didn't feel like we were being a good mommy because mm -hmm. we didn't realize we were getting triggered. I mean, just the act of childbirth itself, I know, you know, that can be a trigger on somebody who didn't realize that they had trauma to that area. Just the act of, you know, getting your period and, and that implication if you're involved in an, you know, ancestral relationship or something like that, this extra burden on top of it. And years later, you know, funneling that into, I'm going to be the best, you know, pelvic health whatever, because I know I know I could not talk to anybody and almost getting obsessed with it. And then you've got this other side of you, this more nurturing side, this more have to be open and vulnerable, like you said, when you have children at home or, or relationships at home, and they don't like that they're not good at that. It's not as controllable. So mm -hmm. I see a lot of that trauma. A lot, I think a lot of what we're talking about in work-life balance, and especially with those quote-unquote overachievers high, is actually us seeing in a different type of way, not the dysfunctional people that couldn't get their act together because of the trauma and do, but actually the other end who obsess so much into their career and being someone significant and proving themselves out, that side of the work-life balance. Do you find that? Do you see that at all? 
Oh, sure. For people that are abused, they they take on all kinds of ways to kind of dissociate from their life, to try to run from the pain. And that's part of trauma in itself. It's the struggle and the inability to live in the present. And so I often find that there is a a real balance shift, like you say, this this work-life balance that needs to be addressed because a lot of times they're they're pouring themselves into that or into a substance or into a relationship or something that is designed to try to help them cope, but it, it, it gets to a point where it stops serving them anymore. So it's all about balance in everything, you know, moderation in everything, including moderation. Okay, so like, where do you see the differences or the similarities in men hitting that same thing? Because it's even harder, I think, sometimes with kind of the toxic masculinity to be vulnerable just in general, never mind be vulnerable about something that you were so vulnerable about before you even maybe, you know, years ago, before you were that title or whatever you could hide behind mm-hmm. and, and, you're, and you're always chasing that. Do you see any like really stark differences just for our audience in terms of like what you might see it as or just in, in getting them to open up or things you have to do? Do you find it's, it's, it's a lot harder or different? Or, you know, what are the main differences oh. in maybe getting men to step B versus women? That's a really great, great question. You know, in, in my instance, the incestuous sexual abuse was, like I said, a, a very crazy making kind of abuse. Well, so I have that and it was extremely traumatizing. My heart goes out to the men out there that are also involved in an incestuous relationship, but they have the added, you know, same sex component to it. Mm. Men aren't really by nature, typically open up as, as much as uh, women will. We're, we're more emotional. We're more relational. That is a very, very, uh, in my opinion, a very underserved population. Men who have been abused by a father a cousin, an uncle, a pastor, a coach. It is sadly more common than than most people realize. And those are one of the most underreported types of abuse. It's it's just too shaming. It's too embarrassing. I don't work a lot with men who have been abused. I, I see it happen in families. It's more common that you see women are abused. I know there are some really, really amazing trauma counselors out there who understand that abuse from a from a personal mm-hmm. view, they would. That's who I would recommend. That someone, a man who has been abused. Yeah, takes one to know one. There is that that connection there, and then you know. But as I say that, it's kind of like a woman. She might feel more comfortable being with a male coach or a male, male counselor, or maybe she's more familiar with a female. I'm just trying to say that that added same-sex component is something I can't relate to. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't feel as qualified maybe to to address that. Certainly the trauma behavior, you're going to see the same thing. You're going to see a very high substance abuse. You're going to see overworking, working, working, workaholic. You're going to see a lot of relationship struggles. You're going to see a lot of triggering. You're going to see a lot of anger. Anger and trauma are very closely woven together. And a lot of people who have been traumatized present with a lot of anger. So you see a lot of, a lot of anger in the, the male population. Yeah, that's so, so interesting. So tell us, Brooke, there is obviously a very big need, as we said. And I, I say it, I mean, at this point in the game, 
whatever, 25 years ago, maybe I was naive. I just feel like with so many things, we're abused to our tech, we're abused to, you know, everything's so fast paced, everything's, you know, even as an entrepreneur, I feel like it's always like, go get another sale, go to, you know, it's like so crazy. If you don't have that resiliency backbone, if somehow mm -hmm. you were not born blessed with that, obviously there's a need. How can someone listening to this get in touch with you? Do you work virtually as well as in person? Are you just in the Charlotte market? Or how can they get in touch with you? Or even just for a referral that somebody you might know in, in their area? Sure. The name of my business is The Other Side Life Coaching. And my tagline is Life Beyond Sexual Abuse. What I'm trying to say to your audience is that I specialize only in sexual abuse trauma. There's coaches that wear a lot of different hats. I'm not one of those. I, I deal specifically with sexual abuse. I have a website that's going to be coming up. It is in the middle of being developed and it's toslc.com, theothersidelifecoaching.com. We are getting ready to start a social media launch. I'm going to be working with another trauma coach. We're going to be interviewing a lot of victims of incestuous uh, sexual abuse. So uh, from all different perspectives. So uh, please stay tuned for that. The, the YouTube channel that we are using is going to be under the other side, life coaching as well. I mean, I can give uh, you some links to some of those. We haven't launched those quite yet. I've only been in the Charlotte area for about a year and a half. I'm a transplant from Texas. And this opportunity has kind of arisen out of the move to North Carolina. So we're kind of barely getting things started. Mm -hmm. As an entrepreneur, because a lot of people that listen to this are also sort of thinking out of the box, thinking expansive, even if they haven't quite launched anything yet, they want that uplifting. And, and, and what I love is, you know, you're being very honest and saying, look, I'm a work in progress. We're all a work in progress. Right. Um, but, you know, years later, if we have not gotten started, if we do have a story such as your own and a passion that has come out from it, if we cannot ever flip our pain and turn it into some sort of purpose, and then if we can get paid for it, wow, right? Talk about coming full circle and something that was a pain becoming a pleasure. So I really, you know, I, I love that you're doing what you do. Like I said, on the show notes, you guys can get all of the links. Is there an email address that they can directly contact you that would be best if they wanted to, you know, talk to you just privately or whatnot? Absolutely. So it's b.terrell at toslc.com mm -hmm. and I meet with clients in person. We'll do some, some video platform for people that aren't in the local area. I do phone coaching. I plan on you know, seizing some opportunities to do some public speaking because I'm very passionate about prevention. Really talking hopefully to the schools here pretty soon about that, the preventative measure and what parents can do to keep their children safe, warning mm -hmm. signs, mm -hmm. um, things to look for in a child's behavior because a lot of times it just looks like the child's acting out and they don't understand. I would think, I don't know if you know, or you know, whoever's listening to this, my brother, Steven Alvarez, owns a company called Play Science. And he's a doctor of physical therapy in South Carolina, upper state of South Carolina. I help out sometimes with, you know, his launch and, and getting his message out there. But I would think in that population where you're working in the special needs, especially, right? Because there's so many caregivers. There's so many people entering their home into schools or whatever, something like your service, you know, that would be great, you know, knowing and understanding what to look for because there's so many of those things that they say, oh, it's the autism. 
oh, it's the sensory processing problem. And actually, the reason it's that for those diseases is because of the stress. Just because you're getting it through an abusive type of trauma, particularly sexual abuse, doesn't lessen, you know, doesn't mean we, we, we what I'm trying to say is we have to listen to it in all of our kids, no matter what their presentation is. And, you know, speaking out to experts like you. So to be able to weed through that. So that's even another avenue of where Brooke yeah. can be helpful for you is for those certain populations that may not always, you know, it's so easy to say it's this, it's this, it's this. But the reality is maybe you need to ask an extra question. Anything else you want to say and leave with our audience before we kind of wrap things up here? Sure. I, I would say for, for people who are listening, the one thing that I really wanted to just take a second to address is some people are sitting in the position and the place where they have this, this thing that they've been keeping as a huge secret and they're wondering how and when and where to disclose what's happened to them. And I just want to tell them to, to please make sure that if you are going to do a disclosure within your family or about this type of situation, that you have a trauma coach or a counselor or a therapist who is trained in trauma. I went through an intervention process in my early 20s and it wasn't handled well. It re-traumatized me, I mean, tremendously re-traumatized me. So disclosure is such an important part of the healing process. You know, get someone, either myself or, or someone who is a professional in trauma to help walk you through the process and because that a lot of times can be the beginning of healing. We're gonna be doing some local groups where people can have a platform to talk about motherhood and sexual abuse and we'll be talking about marriage and relationship issues and, and I just look really forward, I'm very excited about really meeting with this need in our in our society basically. Great. Thank you so much. That's Brooke Terrell and there is life on the other side, as she says. So if anyone here has been listening to this kind of intrigued about traumatology, you know, being a traumatologist, definitely reach out to her if that's sort of your area or avenue or something of your story. If you're somebody who thinks you need the services, definitely reach out either on the page, I'll get you in touch with Brooke, or just directly speak to Brooke. There's so many layers to the story. We could talk forever and we'll probably probably have Brooke on on different topics we sort of highlighted because I just see so much yumminess there. But, you know, as always, make sure you check on the show notes, go check the websites. And if you do need something, part of the reason we're doing Owning Her Hell podcast is to make sure that you don't just hold it in, to make sure that you have connections and you know, why not? Why not see if you could listen to your story, flip your pain, turn it into some sort of passion and purpose, and maybe even a profit like I did, like Brooke did, like many of the other guests did. And if you're just working through your pain right now, please know there's people like us that want to help. So reach out. Thank you so much, guys. And we will see you next time on Owning Her Health Now. Thank you for listening into this episode of Owning Her Health with Dr. Lisa Holland, PT. To learn more about her personal and professional development service, visit her online at drlisahollandpt.com.